I mean, I think like a little too. All right. Um, this is Apex Vaulting Podcast. This is episode 17, and we got Andrew Flores on tonight. Um, unfortunately, Andrew had a great idea. I kind of wanted to do it. We were going to open the podcast with, with sampling a little music from the, the wonderful lyricists of Wu-Tang Clan, but um, we can't do that because it's against copyright laws. So, sorry, Andrew. And, hey, can you sit closer to the mic? No one's going to be able to hear you, bro. Oh, you'll hear me. <laughs> sure. Um, so, a lot of things I wanted to talk about tonight. Um, you know, Andrew's been coaching at the club now for about a year, which is kind of crazy. Uh, and for those of you that didn't uh, don't know, um, you know, Apex Vaulting is a public club in New Jersey. We usually have something like over 100 kids a season. Um, we actually, big news, we're going to break it on this podcast. No, are we? Yes. Are we really going to do Apex getting a second pit this year. We're getting a second pit. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. Um, because we always run into the issue of not having enough space for all our clients. Uh, when winter comes, I've had to turn people away all the time. So uh, actually Thanksgiving weekend, uh, approximately, we will be installing the second pit. So that will allow us to take on more clients. Um, so like I said, we have usually run 100 plus clients a season. Um, we run all year round. And Andrew approached me last year about coaching Saturdays because I don't typically coach Saturdays because uh, I'm usually at meets. So Saturday has never been a session day. So he took that over. Um, and I kind of wanted to use today's podcast as talking about that process of of going through the year. So Andrew, you came up to me. First of all, like what gave you the idea? Like why, why did you want to coach Saturdays? Like what was going on in your mind? Like why did you approach me about it? Well, interestingly enough, this actually started a lot, um, I guess, a couple years ago uh, when you were still at Oakland. Um, Just to preface so <laughs> yeah. people who don't know. Yeah. Uh, no, we're in Fairfield, New Jersey right now. I'm in my own uh, facility, own warehouse space, but I used to be in Oakland, New Jersey which was like kind of a multi-use place. Like there was turf and there was a strip of track and I was on the strip of track and ran my club in a place that was kind of like open. So like there were other stuff going on. Now it's just my club, you know, in, in my space. Go and this ahead. would be your third location, right? Well, right. I mean, I originally started the club at West Milford, West Milford. Uh, High School Outdoors. Um, side note, um, if you want to start a club at a high school, probably good to find a club where the business administrator is a former pole vaulter <laughs> that helps you out. Um, I, so I got to give a shout out to Steve Sia. If you, if you hear this, uh, thank you so much for allowing me to do that. And, um, Mr. Gillen, uh, the athletic director at West Milford, thank you for letting me start my pole vault club, which <laughs> is my life now, you know? And so I really got to give credit to those guys, uh, Timmy Gillen and, and Steve Sia for allowing me to start the pole vault club at West Milford high school. But yeah, so we're on our third location. Third so, location. So go ahead. Yeah, so. so this actually started all, I would say, back at our location in Oakland. Um, it came about with you asking me to cover a meet that I guess you just weren't going to be able to be there. Um, and I actually met a coach from Newark, uh, Coach Zai here, yeah. uh, from Weekwake High, High School. Um, I ended up working with a couple of his athletes at the time and at the time, they were only, it was one boy jumping 8-6 and one girl who had never cleared a bar before. Was, was the 8-6 guy? So 8-6 was Osafi. Osafi yeah. Fordyce. Shout out Osafi. Yeah. Uh, um, I think Osafi <laughs> right now is in like eastern or western Iowa. Yeah, it's a blue school. I know their school colors are blue and white. Um, he's still pole vaulting, so go ahead. Yeah. 
Well, I actually ended up working with Osafi that one day. Um, Coach Zahir didn't really have a lot of knowledge regarding pole vault, and I asked him if he was open to having some, you know, some coaching. Just because obviously I don't want to step on anyone's toes, and when it comes to coaching technique or you know coaching someone's athletes, people can, you know, have their own feelings and maybe not really uh, be yeah, so you, open. Yeah, you don't want to overstep your boundaries. Absolutely. You want to make sure the person's like up for like having help. Yeah, you know, because like you said, some coaches like they just want to they want to be in charge completely. They don't want to let anybody in. But some coaches welcome help, you know? Like, look, head coaches, they got a lot of events to cover. If somebody's willing to coach the pole vault, I think most of them would be very happy. But you did the right thing, made sure the guy's not going to be upset at you. So you start coaching at Weequake. Yeah, well, actually, even before then, um, long story short, that meet, I actually ended up uh, coaching Osafi to a PR. I think he ended up jumping nine feet that day. And there was one girl who had never cleared a bar, and I, I helped her clear, I think, at least seven feet, uh, Chantel, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really where I guess my my passion and my desire to coach really came from. Uh, in You're previous, welcome, Andrew. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I asked him to coach me. Now he falls in love with coach. Thanks, guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, to not get into the backstory too much, it, it really all started there because I, I, I always loved pole vault. I think by then I had already been jumping four or five years, probably two or three with you. Yeah. Um, and being able to help Osafi PR within one one meet, you know, made me feel great. And the coach really saw how, you know, maybe working together, this could really be something. Um, I ended up working with Osafi for, I want to say, nine months before he actually started working with you. Um, and we ended up jumping 12-6 together, you know. Uh, so that, that was pretty fantastic for me because I had only jumped 11-6 in high school, being that I didn't really have a coach or the resources at the time, um, you know, to help me jump higher. Um, with that being said, having have worked with Osafi and being able to not only get him to twelve six and get him to this point, uh, to the point where he was working with you, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. I mean, took us really far. He ended up jumping fourteen three, right? Like, or no, um, he 13-9. he went to St. Peter's College at first his freshman okay. year, jumped thirteen nine with 13-9. me, and I think now at Eastern or Western Iowa, I, again, I apologize, I forget which school he goes <laughs> to. Uh, now I think he's at fourteen three. Awesome, awesome, yeah, and hopefully we can get him around, you know. Yeah, see what yeah, he's yeah. Doing. But, um, and you know it's funny. So you bring up that time period, and I remember you had just jumped fourteen three. You graduated from Montclair midway through the year, and I, I actually, I, I don't know if you remember this. We were in the car together. We were. This was still when we were in Oakland, and we went to like, I, we went to Dunkin' Donuts. I went to go pick up coffee. Ooh, you yeah, came with me, familiar. and we're in the car, and you were talking to me. You're like, I don't know what to do, Bronco. Like. I really love music. You're really, uh, anybody who doesn't know, um, if you follow Andrew, it's, wh- what's your Instagram? Oh, Via it's Andrew. Via Andrew, yeah. Via Andrew. So it's V-I-A-A. And D-R-E-W. You got yeah. it, man. Yeah. And so he, Andrew's like really into the whole like dance music stuff, right? Is that? <laughs> yeah, you're right. How do you, what's the genre exactly? I would say, I guess the genre is. It's like bass nectar. There we go. Right? Very, very big fan. I'm going to let you know a secret. When I was like younger, I was always like, what's this bass nectar? Bass nectar, yeah. Bass nectar. I'm yeah, like, I'm thinking truth. about fishing. I'm like, bass nectar? That sounds gross. What, what does that a- taste like? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, so, you're into true. that kind of stuff. And you're like, I'm into music. You're like, I love pole vaulting. But, you know, I could be working in finance. I don't know what to do. And, and the kind of thing that I told you at the time, I was like, listen. Anything could be good, right? Any of your three options of what you want to do could be good. But here's what I always tell people. If you're willing to sleep on someone's couch to make your dream work, 
then you know you're doing the right thing. Because if you're willing to make that kind of sacrifice, like be poor to make your dream work, then you know it's the right thing. Now, let's speed it up a little yeah, bit. Right, so. You end up working finance <laughs> yeah. and you start jumping at the club again. Because that was the thing. Like, look, I, I've coached so many people over the years and I've seen a lot of people come and go and there, there's still some people sticking around. Like Craig Van Leeuwen still jumps for me. He's one of my original athletes. He's still at the club, still helps out. And, um, but there's not a lot left. Craig always jokes around. He's like, oh, it's just me and Andrew left now, Basically, you know? Basically, it really is. Um, but you started showing up again, started jumping. You asked me if you can keep jumping. I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, mm -hmm. why, why wouldn't I let you jump? Um, but, you know, he, you start coming in. And I remember even you bought some weights for the club yeah. and stuff like that. You wanted to start helping out. And then you approached me last year. Like, what, what made you approach me last year about Saturdays? Well, I mean, like we were saying, right, fast forward a couple of years later, I'm, I'm working in the financial industry. I'm a financial advisor and, you know, still making it to practice once a week at this point, just because with everything going on, it's hard to, you know, find balance and to really, you know, set aside time to be able to do this. I mean, I saw that there was a need for this, right? You said coaching Saturdays isn't something that you really are, are doing anymore. And at this point, you know, you've been doing this for 10 years now, right? Almost 10 years. Stop. I started coaching last year. I'm like maybe 27 Two years, years in the old. Business. No. Yeah. yeah. So Apex started in 2007 uh, officially. And then I went uh, as an LLC, a small business, in 2010. So fast forward, right? 10 years later, you're still doing this as a one man show, right? And you mentioned to me there are times where you have upwards of 150 kids who are jumping at the club. Um, for one person to handle that all on their own is extremely commendable. I don't know how you've done it to this to this point, I guess. But if I could be a part of that, I obviously wanted to. And for me, you know, seeing, I guess, the, the progress that Osafi was able to make, having him jump a foot higher than I was able to is really kind of humbling and also... You know, I was. I always talk and about rewarding. how rewarding. Come it, on, it's extremely yeah, rewarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember that day specifically. I didn't really get much sleep. I went to sleep really late, but I got up really early and made a sacrifice to make sure that I was there on time, so that you know he, he had support and we were able to kind of go through the plan that we had, you know, put in place to get him to, to PR. And yeah, I yeah. think that day he actually double PR. But that's besides the point. I mean, for me, it's really. Well, can, can I just stop one second yeah, there? Yeah. Something huge and, and something that I, I did want to cover in this podcast and, and you know, we're going to continue with your story, but like, you know, the little things that are important in becoming a good coach, but I would just say a successful person is like, think about what you just said there. Like, you know what? Like you got to stay up late for work or whatever and you didn't get a lot of sleep. You probably had to wake up early for a Saturday morning uh, meet, yeah. you know, but you did that. You made that sacrifice because if you can't even show up on time... Huh. That PR doesn't happen. Yeah. That PR doesn't happen. And, and you know, I get it, man. Like, we all get tired. We all get tired. But, yo, you got you to gotta be there on time. You got to make practice on time. You got to make meets on time. You got to be there early even, especially meets. You know, it's like last year we went to Muni Champs. Yeah. We got there extra oh, early. Man. You know, and, and here's the thing, too. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I guess sometimes it's easy to be on time or early when you have the stud, right? When you know you're going in for a win, oh, right? Yeah. Like when you know you have the best athlete out there and you're going to win, everybody's going to ask you questions, everybody wants to shake your hand, everybody wants to tell you how awesome of a coach you are. That's easy, right? Just like in life, it's easy to show up when you know you're going to make the sale, when you know you're going to make good money, you know you're going to go to a nice cushy office. That's easy. What's hard is when you're in the trenches. Like last year going to meet the champs, 
Like we knew, I told you, we had a great state group weekend. And for those people that don't know New Jersey high school, we have sectionals, top six move on to state groups, right? Top six go on to meet of champs. So we have like kind of like a tournament bracket style, like NCAA, I think is really, really cool actually. And so everybody goes to meet of champs who, who qualifies and it's a shootout. And we had a really good state group weekend. We had a state group champion. We had a bunch of PRs. A lot of people do well. And I knew meet of champs though was going to be a different ball game. You know, I knew Mita Champs was like, you know what? We did awesome last week. Chances are you're not going to PR two weeks in a row. Chances are you're not going to be that successful twice, twice, two times in a row. And then the other thing is our kids, very efficient, hmm. right? They're pushing a lot off the top of their grip. Like our top guy was pushing, it's on the wall, 22 inches above his grip, almost two feet, you know, and he only started working with me in December. He was a kid that was negative push in December and so he was like he was negative four inch push and now he's pushing 22 inches in from December till May um so it was like we knew what we were up against and we knew it was gonna be a tough day but we still showed up there early because you know what we don't want to have any excuses as to why we we did bad you know and that's the thing you want to be successful you've got to you got to be on time you've got to be on time so I you know if I could just throw that out there, and we're going to delve into this more because yeah. I think you've been doing a great job Thanks. coaching the Saturdays this past year, and that, that's why we're doing this podcast to kind of talk about what led to you doing such a great job. Hmm. But one of them is showing up on time. Like I do not have to worry about Andrew showing up on time for his practices. I do not have to worry about Andrew oversleeping and missing a 10 a.m. practice on a Saturday. You know, It's like I know he's responsible enough to do what it takes you know, and also like build that, that loyalty. Yeah. You know, his kids love him. Go, go ahead. Go awesome. Ahead. I mean, and this sounds great. And thank you for saying that. I mean, just don't let my, my manager actually find out about this because I, I really wish that I could actually have that same kind of level of commitment for my financial practice. Um, you know, helping people save and invest money and plan accordingly uh, means a lot to me. And I, I, I really do enjoy it, but there's a very different dynamic between, you know, my, Overall practice and my financial practice. So yeah, I'm usually here at least an hour before practice just to open up, make sure everything's ready to go. And you know, I like to eat my little breakfast, my large coffee. Um, but but besides that, it's like I, you know, I have people who are counting on me, and it's it's different when you're a financial advisor, and you know, I get to make my own schedule. But I have kids counting on me, and I always think back to some, I guess you know, some videos I've seen and, and I guess one that's resonating with me at least in the last couple of months is being who you needed while you were younger. I'm going to elaborate on that because I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but me personally, I never had a coach while I was in high school. And granted, I feel like I should say there was someone there, um, Coach TC, he was a soccer coach who had jumped 14 feet as a, as a high schooler. Um, and, and he tried to do whatever he could, you know, and, and he was great, but he really didn't even you know, he didn't have resources. He didn't have the level of knowledge or he wasn't really passionate or motivated. He, this wasn't I mean, his... He was, listen, so, I mean, yeah. j- just to clear this up, like, I think TC is an example of a guy that, you know what, like, means he well. liked, he means well, yeah. he loved pole, like, I, I hate to use that word, love, liked pole vault, he did, he did jump high, I mean, he was a good athlete. Absolutely. He jumped 14 in high school with probably limited coaching, but he didn't have, like, the knowledge. He couldn't tell you how to get there, you know? And so he didn't have the point A from point B kind of plan. Mm-hmm. And he tried. I mean, he would come by the club every once in a while. But then also, like, you know, life gets busy. You know, he, he was one of those guys that, you know, he liked pole vault, but, like, 
He wasn't going to go out of his way, um, which is fine. And again, great guy. I and mean, if he shows up to the club tomorrow, yeah, like open, awesome. a, you know, yeah. we welcome him with open arms. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, he, he was a guy with limited equipment. Certainly didn't have uh, the great knowledge that you needed to jump higher yeah. in high school. And like you said, you wanted to provide more for your athletes. Absolutely. And I think that's huge because I know even for myself, you know, I think about when I was in high school, like, oh, man, we would take the mats in and out every day to save time and uh, don't do this at home. <laughs> we would not take the top pad out. Oh. So just like, dude, don't land in the crack, oh, right? Man. You know, the big mats, three big mats, there's cracks. Don't land in the crack. You got to land on the big mat, right? That's what we do. We also had an asphalt runway that had cracks in it. So you can't wear spikes. Wow. Um, Same here. And you just... You know, you put the pole in the, in the box, you turn around, run your steps back, yes. and you just jump for like two hours trying to wrap a bungee, and that's it. And you don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to get better. You just, you just, you know, grind it out yeah. every day. And that's the thing. And oh, and by the way, we had four poles 14, 150, mm. 14, 150, 14, 150. Oh, and then we had one UCS spirit. 14150. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah. One of them was the spirit. So <laughs> makes it a little bit better, right? Uh, so you had those, those were your options. And I always felt like even for me when I coached, like I was like, I want to have more for my kids. I want to provide what I didn't have yeah. as an athlete. And not only from a knowledge base, but even equipment. My first year coaching out of my own pocket, I bought four poles for, for my kids. And the assist, I remember when the assistant coach was like, Bronco, don't do that. Like make the school buy it. Yeah. But it's like, I, we full well know they're not going to do They're going to buy maybe a pole. And when is that pole going to come in? Next year, right? Because you got to put the purchase order yeah. in. Once that gets approved, then they send it in. You get a pole next year that now you don't need that pole anymore because that person graduated and you need a different pole. And so I just bought four poles and whatever. Um, but yeah, so you you were saying like, you know, TC was your coach. Yeah. And you, want, you wanted to talk about providing more for your athletes than you had. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, I always knew that I was able to jump higher. I mean, in the previous podcast, I mentioned, you know, finally after high school, I guess it was my sophomore year in college, just started jumping again because I took my freshman year off. Seeing you at the armory and saying, hey, you think you can help me out? We have no polls. We have no coach. And being able to see, like, results, get that positive feedback right away and having a, a PR from 11, 6 to 12 really was kind of like, okay, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about and this is, you know, what he can provide. I should definitely, uh, you know, follow up, definitely yeah, yeah, see yeah, if yeah. I can come to the club and start jumping myself, which was probably one of the best decisions I made in my life just because of what it meant and what it actually does for me. I always talk about pole vault how it translates into other areas of life. And I'm a big, firm believer in that. Um, in terms of like providing something that my, my kids don't have, I mean, I, I always try to, you know, take it to the next level in regards to whatever I, I can do. Something that I noticed about TC, and we just talked about, you know, the, his limited, I guess, information regarding the yeah, sport, yeah, yeah. was that I know that I need to seek out more information and continue finding other ways to, you know, correct not only the jumps of the kids that I'm coaching, but also my jumps because I think that it'll translate to me being able to be a better coach. I'm finding that communication is so important because there's no cookie cutter approach. You know, we're not coming in, putting the pole in the box and running our steps back, right? We're really trying to break it down and every week do something that's a little bit different. Um, analyze the jump in a, in, a, in a different way and practice a different sort of technique. Well, right. right. I, I think you have to be constantly evolving and growing and, and learning is super important. Like 
I'm sorry. If you think you have it all figured out, wrong, wrong. I mean, how often does this happen? We'll have kids who go away to college freshman year. They come back for their first practice in the summer, and they're like, all right, what do I have to learn? I know something's changed. You know what I mean? So it's like anybody who's taking a little bit of break from the club because they went to college or they went on this thing or they couldn't come back for a season, whatever the reason may be, when they come back, they're always like, all right, what's, what's the new wrinkle? Oh, boy. You know, what's the new wrinkle? And there's always a new wrinkle. There's always a way to make it a little bit better. Always a way to make it a little bit better. And, and you're right. Like, you have to always be learning. And that's, that's something that I, I'm always shocked, right? Like, I always tell people, it's like, dude, Forget about reading Beginner to Bupka, right? Mm. Like I read Beginner to Bupka cover to cover three times. And I've reread certain chapters countless times. Dude, four summers in a row, I drove to Tennessee. It is a 12-hour drive from where I live in New Jersey. 12 hours to go hang out mm. with Roman Bacharnikov. That's, that's wild. Who would do that? You? Who would do that? You know what I mean? And it's like, the thing is, like, I'm always shocked that more people don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because to me, it's just like, wait, I just got to drive 12 hours and I can go learn something that helps my kids jump higher, that helps me become a better coach? Sure. I would, I would drive, I'm not going to say days, <laughs> but I mean, I have driven to California. But like, I would drive to California to do that. If I, if I had that much faith that something like awesome was going to happen, I, I would do it. You know what I mean? Because experience is so big and lo- learning and knowledge is so big. Like, heck, uh, the last two podcasts I just did with, with Trey Oates, right? Yeah. And it was so funny because Trey even said to me, uh, the last day we finished the, the, the second part two of the podcast, and he said to me, he goes, you know, I'm not going to lie, Bronco. Like, before you got here, I was like, what the hell am I going to do with this guy for three days? He goes, but this has been a cool experience. And Trey, I'm not going to lie, before I went to Alabama, I'm like, why am I flying to Alabama to do a podcast? But it was awesome. You know, like one, I don't know if people got this through the podcast. You know, I always wonder how much it comes through. You know, it's like, like, you know how you might like look a little different in person versus a picture. I definitely look better in real life. Like as good as I look, better in real life. Um, But no, uh, on a serious note, like, I, you know, again, I don't know what Trey sounded like on the podcast, but the dude is super passionate about pole vault. I mean, you know the guy's passionate. Like, think about it. I just told you I read Beginner to Bupka cover to cover three times, and I drove 12 hours, four summers in a row, to go hang out with Roman Macharnikov. You know someone is passionate about pole vault when it is midnight, and I'm like, yo, Trey, I'm getting tired. I got to go to bed. <laughs> we, we just watched so much pole vault video and talked about pole vault so much. Like, I got to go to bed. So that dude is awesome. And, and you know what? I would definitely look out. That dude is going to do big things this year. Awesome. He's really working hard. and He's trying to figure things out. So, uh, you know, good luck with the rest of the year, Trey. But that, that's the kind of passion. So it's like originally I wasn't sure. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen when I go down to Alabama. But it's like everything is always a learning experience. Everything is always a learning experience. Like I went to Alabama and I was like, wow, that was awesome. I was so glad I did it because I learned something, you know. And actually – I guess here's other other announcement. Oh, I'm ready for it. Next week, me, Bronco Merrick, I will be flying to Las Vegas. Wait, there's more. <laughs> Sandy, as far as I know, these are the names I know. Sandy Morris, Sam Kendricks, Alicia Newman, and Sean Francis will be in Las Vegas as well as, as a bunch of other people hanging out, just doing pole vault stuff. I, we might be shooting machine guns. Yeah, pole vault stuff, right? Yeah. That's kind of, you oh, that's know. That's pole vault stuff, right? Yeah. You know, 
It's aggressive. It's aggressive. You know what I mean? You got to be aggressive in pole vault. Um, but yeah, so that's going to be cool. Maybe we can get a podcast or two out of that. That'd be awesome. I really hope so. Yeah, There's a lot of questions uh, that I know I would like to ask them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that'll be cool. And you know, again, listen, I hate being away from the club. Like I'm going to miss a Sunday session. Sundays are big. We usually have about 50 athletes come in on a Sunday. Um, I, you know, and those are important practices. I'm going to have to miss that to go to this trip. But at the same time, I'm going to learn a lot. And, and the kids are going to reap the benefits of that. You know, they're, they're going to learn from my experiences. Um, so you always have to learn. You always have to learn. I mean, early, I mean, in this podcast, we were talking about sacrifices. And even before we started the podcast, we were kind of talking about this obsession. Um, interestingly enough, right? I mean, and, and you touched upon this, but you really have to be obsessed to be able to be successful and to really take this to the next level. Um, obviously, so many sacrifices go into the, to this and anything uh, worthwhile in life is going to be extremely difficult. And I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm still here. It was never because I had success. I never really jumped that high, but I, I'm still here because I think I could jump higher. And I see what it did for me. I see what it's doing in the lives of the kids that I'm coaching. And, you know, hopefully they are having fun. <laughs> that's all I could say because not everyone is as passionate about pole vault as maybe me or Bronco. But and more importantly, I think that not only this, this passion and this obsession with pole vault is good for us and good for the kids, but I think it's good for the sport. And Yeah, well, yeah, so a so couple things I wanted to say about that. Like, yeah, I mean – Look, like to share that passion, to share that knowledge, but also just to share that idea of how to get better, how to be successful, how to deal with failure, you know? And I've been talking about this a lot this fall, you know what I mean, to, to a lot of club kids. And, you know, I, I even want to go off of like, you know, you say you haven't jumped so high and okay, you didn't set any records or anything like that, but your PR is 14.3, I've jumped 14. But you know what? We both came a lot further than where we were at. Like I jumped 10, six in high school. I, again, I didn't have any coaches. I explained the process, run back your steps on asphalt and just jump for a couple hours. Um, you know, look, like I knew when I jumped 10, six in high school, I was like, I could have jumped a lot higher. I just needed guidance. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I jumped, I've jumped 14 from a five, 13 foot grip, nothing crazy, but again, way far ahead of what anybody ever thought I could have done. I mean, I remember being in high school telling the cross-country coach, who was one of the assistant track coaches, he's like, oh, Bronco, what's your goal this year, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I really want to break the school record. The school record is 13-6. He's like, well, you know, you should probably be a little bit more realistic. Hmm. You know, and it's crazy. And granted, I obviously didn't jump 14 when I was in high school, so I guess he was right. But the thing is, I always knew I had that ability. Yeah. I just needed to figure out how to get there, you know. And I think even for you, 14-3, you jumped 11-6 in high school. Yeah. You know, but then when you finally like immerse yourself in the sport, look what you're able to do. And again, 14 is not that high. I'm not trying to like make it seem that high, but I think sometimes in track, we lose sight of like what some of those numbers actually mean. Like, I feel like there's people out there that are like, bro, you don't jump 19 feet. You kind of suck. Yeah. And it's like, if only 19 feet is good, holy crap. Like how many people have actually been good in this sport? I think what six meters. And again, I, I might be wrong and. Pretty sure my iPad's not connected to the Wi-Fi now, but um, I think something like under 30 people have jumped six yeah, meters, right? So it's like 30 – so only things that like maybe like, I don't know, like 40 people in the history of the planet have done is good. Hmm. 
I don't think that's the definition of good. Like the the percentage is so low, right? Um, Like I don't think if somebody makes ten million dollars a year because he's not he or she is not in the top thirty of the planet that they're not rich. I think that guy's still rich, right? So same thing with like pole vault. It's like, dude, if you're doing something that elite, like I'm sorry to me. If you're a girl and you're jumping, sorry, woman, if you're a woman and you're jumping 14 feet or you're a man and you jump 17 feet, that's pretty good, man. Like, come on, that, that's top. Now, now, granted, me and Andrew are not females. I'm not, I'm, you know, um, so we're not good. We're not elite. But I think those are pretty elite numbers. Like, it's not every day you see a 17-footer. It's not every day you see a 14-footer, you know. Um, those are good marks. So what's considered good, I think, is a little bit skewed because I think – in track, we only, only see the top, top percentile, you know? I mean, I still think about, like, like Michelle Favre, right? Like, when she jumped 13, nine and three quarters, uh, she was 92nd in the world indoors that year. 92nd in the world. You're telling me that's not good? I don't know. What's good then? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, I mean, we can argue semantics and such, but, you know, look, we both got better because yeah. we immersed ourselves in the sport. We learned. And now we're going to pass on the teaching because – for me, and I was saying this to somebody else, was like, for me, what's important is like, look, it's not about how high I jump, right? Like, if I get really, really committed and just focus on my own jumping, um, the business will fall apart. So that's number one. But secondly, how high can I jump? You know what I mean? 16, 17 feet? I don't know, maybe, long enough timeline. But I'm not making it to USAs. You know what I mean? So it's like, to me, I'd rather help this sport some some way, some other way, right? Like, I'm not going to be able to help this sport by going to USA's, qualifying for Olympics, and stuff like that. I'd rather be able to pass on the, the learnings of this sport and teach as many people as I can how to, how to participate in this sport and be proficient in it and also maybe learn something about success and failure and, and you know, how to work towards a goal. You know, that, that to me is huge, you totally. know? It's all a process. And what I'm finding is it's more about the journey because the PR lasts couple seconds right I mean maybe you would say it lasts a lifetime if you never broke it again but I mean it, it the jump is so quick right so for me at least at this point now it's more about what I can give back rather than you know what am I still able to do and don't get me wrong I'm still trying to you know uh, train and I'm, I'd love to get better but I guess my training has kind of taken a back seat and I'm I'm seeing what can I gain from you know teaching these kids you know what can I learn about myself what can I learn uh, that that's going to eventually improve my my jumping ability, and you know, hopefully they learn something more than than just you know how to pole ball correctly because this takes a lot of work. We make a lot of sacrifices, and interestingly enough, there's a lot of demand for this sport, you know, and and demand for like guidance. People want to do this. I mean, name another sport that's this cool, at least in track and field. I mean, sorry, another event in track and field that that's this cool. I mean, maybe I'm biased because I'm a pole vaulter, but this sport totally kicks ass. So, I mean, yeah, I dude, you're flying through the air. And how, how crazy is this? You know, Andrew actually just wrapped up his Wednesday session. He also does Wednesday nights now. Look at that. He's growing. He's evolving. Um, but he just did his Wednesday session. A whole family comes in. A whole family comes in. Mom, dad, brother, brother, sister, and... They're all learning the sport. Like the parents never pole vaulted before they started coming here. They're like maybe like three, four sessions in and the mom and dad are starting to get it. Like they're jumping well. Like 
I was impressed. Like I walked out because I, I, I went and got food for me and Andrew because we've been <laughs> coaching all day. So we're going to eat before the podcast. I come back in and I'm like, dad looks awesome. Dad looks great. Like Andrew's doing an awesome job. And so here's, here's the other thing. And we, we had talked about this uh, before the podcast a little bit, but it's like, I, th- I think about this sometimes. And I was listening to a Sean Francis uh, vlog. It's a recent one. And, and it's even titled, the, qu- the question was one of the questions that he got that he tried to answer was like, you know, uh, what do I do after high school or college? Like, how do I keep pole vaulting after high school or college? And he says, look, there's a lot of pole vault clubs out there. Just join a club and they'll be happy to have you. Mm. It is debatable. Like, apex vaulting, yes. Okay? But, I mean, I'll tell you right now. One of my college guys was in a co-op last year. He was out of state. He contacted a couple clubs in the area. And they were not interested with coaching college-age kids. And I, I was even saying to Andrew at first, you know, when this family came in, they wanted to start pole vaulting. You know, I, I was a little bit like, whoa, oh, man, a whole family wants to pull. Like, how, how's this going to work? Because most of the sessions are high school kids and stuff like that. And Andrew took it, started coaching them, and they look awesome now. They could jump in any session they want right now. If they want to jump with Craig and Pete, you know what I mean? Like, they, they can jump in that session. They'll, they'll be fine. Yeah. You know, so it's like the thing is, like, people have to be willing to teach the sport. I think a lot of times people are only willing to teach some people who – have a knack, yeah. have some talent. Maybe they've pole vaulted before. Because I can't tell you how many times I get phone calls and they're like, well, my kid's never pole vaulted before. Is that okay? Well, there's only one reason that a person is asking me that question. That means there's other people that get asked that question. Hey, my, my son or daughter's never pole vaulted before. Is that okay? And they're like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I only coach people who've pole vaulted before. Mm. I'm sorry. That's not right. Just like Alan Wonder said, from beginner to booker. Hey. Well, from beginner to expert, right? Yeah. Like, you need to be able to coach all the levels because that helps grow the sport. If the only person you could coach is somebody who already knows how to pole vault, like that's, I don't know. That's really not it. That's like, look, I started out as an English teacher, right? And I used to hate this. This would happen every year, right? We're in the teacher's room and one of the other English teachers walks in and goes, oh my God, these kids are terrible at writing. They don't know how to write. Time out. That's your job. You're an English teacher. If they knew how to write, you wouldn't have a job. That's why you have a job, you know? And and that's the thing. It's like, look, I don't care. From beginner to expert, you need to be able to coach a pole vaulter. And and it's funny because on the flip side is, you know, you mentioned how I sent you to a meet and there was a chance that Craig Van Leeuwen, my my 17-8 guy, and Kurt Dunn, my 17-3 guy, they were going to a meet and there was a chance I wasn't going to be able to make it, you know? Um, and I spoke to one of my other guys who was coaching for me at the time, Dave Cariello. Um, Dave Cariello is awesome, by the way. I, he's in Texas now. You know that? What? He's in Texas. Anyway, so I'm like, Dave, you might have to coach Kurt and Craig this weekend. And he's like, well, how do I do that? I go, well, I don't understand, Dave. Like, what do you mean how do you do that? He goes, well, like, they jump on bigger poles than I've ever jumped on. It's true. Because Dave, Dave was all right. He, he was like a 14-6 guy. And he jumped on like 15s and he's a bigger guy. So it was probably like 15, 80 through 90. And um, I was like, Dave, um, if I could only coach people who jumped on mm. my poles or smaller, I would only coach girls. Wow. So <laughs> like, here's the thing. It works the same way, right? Like if the pole bends too much, they land deep, go up a pole. If the pole doesn't bend a lot and they land deep, go up a grip. If the pole doesn't bend a lot and they land shallow, go down a pole. If the pole 
bends a lot and they land shallow, go down a grip, right? Like it's same, same, same <laughs> variables. It's not a different sport now because yeah. Kurt and Craig are jumping. Um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, I just, I just think it's, it's the same thing. And it's like, you have to be willing to work with people. Like, obviously we all want to do things that are easy. Like before I was talking about, it's like, it's easy to get to the meet early when you got the champ, you know, it's easy to coach the champ, right? Yeah. You show up, up a grip, back a half, they clear a bar, they win the meet, everybody's shaking your hand saying, how did Sally jump so high? You know, and you, you could tell them it's your secret weapon, whatever, <laughs> like you can make up some BS. But the thing is, like, you have to be able to work with the people that, you know, they're trying to figure it out. They don't understand the sport yet. And for me, it's a challenge. Like, we've talked about that. If somebody's like, dude, you'll never get that person a clear X. Oh, boy. That's like, man. Bring it on. Now Let's you said it. the wrong thing because that's going to happen. Because we're going we're gonna <laughs> to get that yeah. person over that bar. Yeah. Um, so c- continue on. Like, <laughs> you, you were talking about coaching your sessions. Well, you know? interestingly enough, I'm, I'm able to coach, a, coach a, a different, you know, I guess a variety of age groups, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. most of the kids are high schoolers, but I've been lucky enough to work with some people, some masters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that over 30 or over 40 at this point? I think masters is like 35 plus. 35. So there's certainly masters. Which I think is wrong. (laughs) I just want to say USATF. I'm not a masters athlete. I'm 36 years old. Uh, Jeff Hartwig went to the Olympics at 40. So I don't think we should have masters at 35. You should definitely change that. Uh, That's really wrong. (laughs) Um, And I think if you look younger than 30, because I look younger than 30, I definitely shouldn't be considered masters. Okay, so I'm definitely, (laughs) regardless of what Bronco says, I'm definitely still working with masters. And it's interesting because I always think to myself, they wouldn't have really had this opportunity if Apex Vaulting was in a club, you know? I mean, certainly they can go to a different club, but I mean, I'm just not too sure what's going on there. Well, there's not that many clubs out there. That is true. That's the thing. That is true. And like I mentioned earlier, surprisingly enough, there, there is a demand for this and people of all ages want to learn how to do this. I mean, look at how popular CrossFit is. And I'm going to let you t- talk about that in a little bit because yeah, I yeah. think you have some really interesting things to say about CrossFit and just um, you know how we can kind of compare it to pole vault, maybe in a sense. But um, because I'm able to coach people in different age ranges, I'm, I'm seeing people who are obviously – professionals you know and you know work in all different walks of life and i just keep thinking to myself like if it wasn't for you know me being able to make the sacrifice and come in or you you know being so passionate yeah. about this where where would this person get this information would they be doing this you know I, I mean would they have this as an outlet in their life i mean this is a great stress reliever besides the fact that it's you know a lot of fun and right, great right. for training I think it's, for me, like what it's done um, is just, you know, beyond words. I I love this. You know, I can talk about this for for days. That's why this is my third podcast. (laughs) Uh, But, I mean, it's really been a really special journey. What's going to be incredible is seeing people jump higher than me because that's the end goal, right? I didn't jump very high. And I know that a lot of the kids that I'm working with right now have that potential to jump higher than me. And I'm certain that these kids will light a fire under my ass and I'll, I'm going to PR too. So I'll, yeah. I'll be right after them. But I mean, you know, talk a little bit about what you, you know, CrossFit. Well, okay. Uh, okay. Wait, before, before we get into CrossFit, CrossFit, I just, I just want to mention too. It's like, look, the little things that become important, like before we talked about showing up on time, you know, showing up on time, 
but dude, okay, so here's the thing. If we really want to grow this sport, right? Like you really want to grow the sport. Like you said, there is a demand and clubs actually grow that demand. Because if there's a club and there's a place for people to go to learn this sport, then people are more likely to do it, right? Like before those jumping uh, trampoline places existed, like nobody did that, right? But then people all of a sudden got the bright idea of, they put trampolines indoors, wow. people show up and want to jump around on trampolines, and now that's like a business, and people go do that, and whatever. It's not like a sport, but you get my point. Like, if people start opening up clubs, right, the more clubs that are out there, the more access people have to our sport, right? Like, right now, if I want to play basketball, it's really easy. I can find a basketball court. There's like several of them in every single town almost. So you can go play basketball. But the thing is, there's not a lot of places for people to pole vault. And that's why pole vault clubs are a huge, huge thing. We need more pole vault clubs. Here's the other thing that I'm going to say, and this will kind of tie into the, the, the CrossFit, is like we need to compete. You need to have competitions. And the thing is, I'm sorry if all you do is in-house competitions. And at Apex, actually, we don't do any in-house competitions we always travel we always go to other clubs we always go to other meets and whenever we host it's always open to any other club that wants to come but if you're only doing in-house competitions that's not a real competition and in fact that gets kind of boring and lame like you don't want to just keep competing against the same people all the time you want to see what else is out there am i actually good like that's great if i win and i'm the best in my club but what happens when i go against you know the other club, am I going to beat those people or they got a bunch of people that are going to beat the snot out of me? Hmm. Like you, you have to put yourself out there, you yeah. know? And so like, I think com- clubs competing against one another is huge. Like this summer we did Northeast Pobo Club Championship. Really now on a certain level, sure. We didn't have a lot of clubs come in. We didn't have a lot of outsiders come in, but some did. Okay. On the other level, Sean Francis has talked about this from the business end. We charge spectators and we're able to give the spectator pro- as, uh, spectator money as prize money. Yep. And we gave $220 to the winning male and the winning female open competitors. Yep. That's awesome. We need more events like that because that's the cool thing with stuff like CrossFit and powerlifting is they have so many competitions out there. They always charge spectators and then the spectator money goes to prize money. And so it's a, it's a way to, for you know, competitors to make a little extra cash on the weekend and there's a plethora of competitions. With track, there's not always those competitions. There's nowhere for you to compete. And it's like practice is great, but you want to compete, right? Like if I play basketball, I could join a basketball league. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot of places for you to compete. Oh, and so offering even opportunities for people to compete, whether they're in your club or not, is huge, yeah. you know? That's what will grow the sport as well, you know? Like, that, that, that's what I think. It's like, you know, long-term, long and I always like to talk about long-term, right? Like, me and Andrew talk about that all the time. Long-term, that's how our sport grows. That's how our sport thrives. We can't just depend on high school. We can't just depend on NCAA. We can't just depend on USATF. We need to have this club system. That's what's going to grow the sport. That's what's going to make it huge. And you know it here just like in CrossFit, like why do people like CrossFit? And so many people hate on CrossFit. And it was funny when really I was in do. Alabama, 
uh, Trey showed me some YouTube channel, I forget what it was called, where the guy really hates on CrossFit. <laughs> and they're like, they're, it's like the CrossFit games, and the people are running out, and they're like, here, and here come the athletes, the ones that couldn't make it in their real sport, wow. they're doing CrossFit, all the former gymnasts and swimmers and blah, blah, blah. And it was funny, like, I get it, yeah, I get but... it. But, but here's the thing. CrossFit has a huge following. Huge. And when people join a gym, they get to be a part of something. They get to have training partners who push them and motivate them in a positive way. Sometimes maybe a negative way too. True. Um, but like, you know, it's like you get to be a part of that. And then there's competitions to go to and there's goals. There's things that you can do. I mean, think about this. If you go to the regionals for CrossFit, you get to find out where you rank and how close you were to making the next level. USA, USA's... Come on, man. If you're not like top 24 in the country, it's you're like done. you're done. And worst part is you could place like sixth at USA and people are like, oh, so like, are you done now? Yeah, like, like, you're going to stop pole vaulting? Because right. that makes sense so, at that point. Right, right, right. We don't need to go into that because me and Trey kind of talked about that recently. Mm. But you get my point. It's like yeah. that's the thing. By having pole vault clubs and by having you know pole vault competitions at the club level, like – it's more opportunity for people to compete, more opportunity for people to participate in the sport, and then you never know what happens from there, right? It's just something that, that can grow, you know? And going back to you coaching, mm. like the beautiful thing is like the more people that are out there coaching and trying to help people, the better. But again, it comes down to stuff like, you know, sacrifice, being punctual. Can you be on time? Can you take care of the facility? Yeah. You know, can you provide structure for people? Because, you know, a lot of times, and I, I was talking to one of my other uh, athletes, uh, she just graduated college, uh, Danielle Krunkshack, and uh, Danielle, I apologize if I butchered your last name, <laughs> but um, Danielle, like, you know, she, she still jumps, and she actually started uh, doing some personal training at a gym, a, a strength and conditioning place, and we were talking about it, and I, she's like, you know what, her, her boss at her strength and conditioning uh, place kind of had a similar feeling as mine, because she doesn't have a certification right now. She's working on it. Um, she actually went to college to be a history teacher, but now decided she wants to be a part of the world of fitness. And he was interviewing her, and she's like, look, like, I feel like I'm underqualified. He's like, that's all right. I'm going to take you. You're going to start personal training. Because the thing is, she had passion for it. She was willing to show up early. I mean, she, dude, she will show up for 5 a.m. workouts, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and she has long days. Like, she'll do 5 a.m. workouts. That'll go to, like, 11, she said. And then if she's working the afternoon shift, that goes to 5. And then it's like she'll come in for a pole vault practice and then go home and get to bed early. You know what I mean? And do it all over again. But she loves fitness. She loves pole vault so much that that's what she wants to do. And that's the thing. Like, you want to be a coach. You want to run a club. Like, you've got to be passionate. you got to be able to put the hours in. you got to be willing to, to put the time in. you got to be willing to learn. you got to be able to... Spend money. Yeah. Like, think about it. My first year coaching, I bought four poles. Dude, that's crazy. Poles are three to six hundred dollars. I bought four of them right off the bat. Didn't even blink an eye. I was like, I need this for my athletes. You know. Now uh, we have almost two hundred poles at the club. Uh, we're gonna have two pits, not just one. You know. I don't know if you guys know this. Rubber flooring. My rubber flooring is a hundred. I have five. 150 foot strips of the rubber flooring and I got the thickest uh, one. Um, I think that cost me over $7,000 just the flooring alone for my gym, right? So it's like you start like, you know, turning the wheel and thinking about, you know, how much money it takes to run a club, 
how much time it takes, the passion, the dedication. And like what Andrew is saying, do what you would want from your coach. Maybe what you didn't get from your coach. That's what it takes. And that's why Andrew's a great coach. Like I, I remember even talking to somebody and, you know, and maybe you can like kind of um, express your thoughts on this. Sure. You know, when you first started coaching Saturday sessions and I would pop in from time, uh, time and time yeah. and you would kind of come in early uh, on the day that you come in and jump to watch me coach and learn. But it's like maybe Andrew's knowledge wasn't up to par with mine. I mean, how could it, right? right. I mean, I started coaching – the club was 2007, but I started coaching, I think, 2004, 2005. And, I mean, like, early on in my career, I was probably going to five days of pole vault practice that would be, like, at least six hours long, five days a week, all year round. I mean, think about the hours of pole vault that I've seen, right? Like, I always joke, like, Mike Lorick from Vertical Assault. Like, Mike could be in the back corner of the gym at an angle and only hear you jump and already be able to give you a correction because he's heard that noise so often that he knows what that noise means. <laughs> like, ah, I, I heard that. He's like, Mike, you didn't see it. Yeah, I heard it. That was late plant. You were flat. You had to jump up. Like, what? He's giving you corrections. He didn't even see it, right? So, you know... Obviously, Andrew's not going to be at the level that I'm at or like Mike Lorick, but he had the passion. He was willing to put the time in to make the sacrifices, um, put his money where his mouth is. And, you know, now you see the fruits of your labor. Like, talk about the first month you took over. Like, how many clients did you have the first month? So he does Saturdays. He's just going to do 10 (laughs) a.m. Talk about the first couple Saturdays. So interestingly enough, obviously, I was so excited, so pumped to start doing this. And I get here, like I said, an hour early. I'm sipping on my coffee. And I'm like, is anyone going to show up? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, who's going to be here? And if not, should I jump? Like, what am I going to do? So now it's like 9.50. No one's here yet. 9.55, still no one. 10 o'clock, one person comes in. I'm like, oh. Here we go. This is let's let's get practice started, right? Uh. Wait, wait. And side note, Andrew's used to me coaching like ten kids at a time. Oh man! I and and when my ten kids are off the runway, they're going to the weight equipment doing deadlifts. I got eighth grade girls deadlifting two hundred pounds, going crazy. Then my other <laughs> sessions come in. Yeah, and I'm doing running kids. drills, and it's like it's like it's it's like uh, organized chaos in here sometimes. <laughs> and then it's like. You got one kid showed up at I 10 a.m. I got one kid who showed up at 10 a.m. And I was stoked. Let's get that money. Let's start jumping. So we started warming up. And soon after, I mean, it wasn't even five or ten minutes later, a couple more kids came in. And, I mean, not even 15 minutes into the session, I realized there were six kids in my first session. Awesome. And there were another six kids in my second session. I mean – now that I've been doing it for over a year, I, I you know, I run the numbers. I, people always ask me, you know, like, how's it going? And I, I'm sure that I've worked with over 20, probably closer to 30 kids. And I'm, you know, my sessions, they're not always packed, but I always have more than six kids yeah, in yeah. each session. Well, and, and, and real quick, it's so funny, like our perception of time, right? Like, think about how you broke that down. You're like, 9.50, there's nobody here. And then it's like, and, and you know, it's like in your memory, you distinctly remember, you're like, 9.55, still no one here. Oh, my God, I'm not going to have any kids. And then it's like, 10.01, one kid comes in. It's like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, that's how, like, sharp you're paying attention to time yeah, as totally. it's close to session time. You know, yeah. it's like, like when, when are the kids coming in? You know? And then it's like, you end up with six kids because a couple kids come in late or whatever, and now you're doing the warm-up. And then, never mind handling that 
Like, what is that like? You already like start warming up a kid, and then it's like a couple new kids come in. So now you got to teach warm up, but warm up already started, and it's like juggling all that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that was a new experience for you. You know, like dealing with that. Um, but it's, it's still it's still amazing. And then, like you said, and it grows. So you've coached like. 20, 30 kids throughout the year, which here's what I want to say to some club owners out there, right? If you own a club, I'm telling you, you have a free day or you have hours that you're not open. It is in your best interest to allow someone, obviously that you trust, that jives with you, that you get along with, to coach a little bit. Because those 20, 30 kids, those were 20, 30 kids I was going to have to say no to. Instead, we got to say yes. And... A lot of them ended up turning into year-round kids who are now studs. Like, they're young kids who I think are going to do awesome stuff for the club for years to come. But otherwise, I would have said no. Otherwise, those would be kids that got turned away from our sport and maybe started doing CrossFit. Oh, no! Ah, Right? (laughs) So it's like, no, we're trying to grow our sport. You can't say no to people. you got to say yes. Learn to say yes. So, So continue. So... You know, you got 20, 30 kids throughout the year, and, and how did it get to that point? Like, like the first yeah. month was maybe a little bit rough, and you had that first day turned out okay, yeah. but it's like by the end of the first month, you start hitting those 20, 30 kids. Talk about the patience it took for that month. Like, that month probably felt longer than any other month you coached, right? So, yeah, I mean, but it's just dedication, right? It's just keep coming in, and regardless of who was showing up or not, you know, I I still wanted to be a part of this. I still wanted to uh, be a resource to people who maybe didn't have access to this kind of information or, you know, resources because I knew that I didn't really have access to that, at least, you know, in the beginning of my pole vaulting career. So so that, that went huge. And now after, you know, working with 20 to 30 kids, it's still... I mean, let's say I'm here eight hours a day, you know, on a Saturday and a couple hours on Wednesday after I coach my sessions. The ride homes, like my, my rides on home are always, you know, what could I have done better? What could I have said better? Because more and more I'm, I'm realizing um, not only just here in my pole vault practice, but how key communication is um, just in understanding each other and being able to be a good coach you know I'm, I'm passionate and I'm excited that that part's easy for me but making sure that my kids have an understanding of what I'm saying that I'm being clear concise and that you know they're not just kind of saying yeah yeah I get it um that that's so important to me like I want them to challenge me if they don't understand something you know like because I, I want to be able to break it down and explain it in a way that they do understand it interestingly enough one of the best analogies I guess that I've picked up from you and just hearing yeah. just in the last couple of days is the way you talk about connecting the dots, not only because of what it you know means here when we're jumping, but you know, it can be used anywhere. Yeah. In life. Yeah. I want to help these kids connect the dots because ultimately it's going to help me connect the dots. It's going to help me jump better. It's going to help me be a better person. It's going to help these kids jump higher and hopefully maybe well, help be better people. Well, th- this podcast, we're kind of trying to connect the dots, well, right? And to kind of explain the idea, like I'm sure everybody at some point in their life has pl- you know, done connect the dots, right? You draw the picture and it's like one to two, three to four, you know, and, and you get a picture. You connect the dots and you get a beautiful picture, right? Well, here's the thing. If those dots are too far apart, which like for me and you in high school, those dots were really far Ooh. apart. Here's a pole. There's the pit, go jump, right? Those dots were really far apart. We got to make huge leaps. Well, as pole vault coaches, we're trying to 
close the gap. We're trying to make those dots as small as we possibly can so those leaps aren't overbearing yeah. and the kids can make those dots and then get a good jump. But that's life too. We're trying to connect the dots. Like right now, right? We're talking about like you want to be a successful coach. You want to have a successful club. You want pole vault to succeed as a sport. Let's connect the dots. Let's make those sacrifices. How is being punctual important? Well, if Andrew didn't show up to Safi's meet on time, he wouldn't have warmed him up properly and he wouldn't have PR'd. He wouldn't have jumped 12-6 that day. There you go. Just being on time. That's important. That's so, so important. Like those 20, 30 clients he's worked with in one day, one day throughout the year, he wouldn't be working with them if he was showing up late every day. You can't be late. Like, and, and you know, me and Andrew talk about all the time. It's like, look, there's so many people that I've met in my life that are important to me, that I think have amazing potential, that could do beautiful things. But sometimes it's something so little like being on time that is holding them back from really creating that beautiful life, from really creating something that so many people will love. And it's like, man, you got to be on time. You got to be dependable. Like Andrew's kids don't have to worry about him showing up to practice on Saturday. And, you know, I feel like that's something like, you know, we were talking earlier tonight about certain people and certain people in the sport. And, you know, they have certain ideas about the sport, but it's like, let's talk about longevity, right? Like, how long are you going to be around? How is this sport going to survive? You're going to be here and gone faster than you think. Yeah, whether you're a good pole vaulter or not, you know, how do you stay involved? Right. How are you going to move the sport forward? Absolutely. You know? Right. And it's like, if you're not dependable, if you're not going to be there day in, day out, and that's the thing, I, you know, I'm really sorry, but man, like when I check out social media from other sports, like we, we were looking at some power lifters b- before we started the podcast. And I was just showing you like, dude, these people are not only some of the most competitive athletes in their sport, but they provide wonderful content on their social media. Yeah. They provide their workouts, some technical advice, some just life advice. And also some just cool pictures, cool stuff, right? I can't, you know, again, I can't take away how important it is to be cool, man. (laughs) Like, you know, you can't be corny. I'm sorry. But like, I don't know how else to say it, but it's like putting cool stuff out there is very, very important. And you want people to look at what you're putting out there and be like, wow, that's what I want to be. And I think for the most part, at, at least from the professional sense, there's a lot of professional pole vaulters putting cool stuff out there. Yeah. But we're not putting content out there. We need to put more content out yeah. there. I mean, Winder Up Athletics, doing a great job. Great job. Like, he puts out great content. I don't know a lot of other people that put out great content. I really don't. I really don't. And, you know, that, that's the thing. Like, you look at the powerlifting world. You know, we were talking about CrossFit before. Sure. If we look at the powerlifting world, one, wow. people are putting out good stuff. Yeah. Good training advice, good technical advice. And if somebody puts up something that's crap, I'm sorry, you're going to be exposed. Mm. Right? <laughs> like, I love the Dave Tate Elite FTS, right? Dave Tate, great powerlifter, trained at Westside Barbell with Louis Simmons, and now owns Elite FTS, which is an equipment supplying company with training and conditioning equipment. They're not our sponsor at all, but they have great <laughs> equipment. I would highly recommend go to EliteFTS.com. They have a lot of great stuff. 
Um, but Dave Tate has a shirt on his website that they sell. It's a girl's tank top and I think just a guy's t-shirt. And it says, um, your bench is ugly and your coach sucks. <laughs> you know? And I was tempted. I was tempted. I haven't done it. And who knows? I mean, never say never. But I was tempted. I was like, yo, we should definitely make an Apex vaulting t-shirt that says your jump is ugly oh, and your coach God. sucks. <laughs> but I don't... I really don't think the pole vault world is ready for that. They're like powerlifting not. world is like, hell yeah, that's kick ass. Uh, but pole vault world is like, oh, yeah. oh no, like that's so mean. You know, it's like I'm trying to do the Kevin Hart like thing. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> Kevin, no. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? It's like pole vault world is like just not ready for it. You know, but, but the thing is like, I'm sorry. There's some stuff that I see that I just, it's not okay. It's not good, you know. I'm not, I'm not gonna throw anybody under the bus. It's not what I'm trying to do or anything like that. But like, like one thing that I'll bring up is like, yo, I'll, I'll check out some, some, you know, Instagram stuff, and I feel like, you know, when Alan Launder wrote "Beginner to Bubka," everybody was talking about how bad tapping was. Now all of a sudden, I'm starting to see a lot of tapping videos. Mm. People are tapping kids in, and we we were talking about feedback before. Feedback, and it's like yeah, tapping. Well, here's the thing, and and this whole fall season of training, and I'm, I'm going to put an Instagram post with this picture and stuff, but there's so much stuff that you need to learn to become a good pole vaulter, right? There's, there's running mechanics, pole carry, planting the pole, takeoff, which you need to know how to jump up, and then there's all this stuff that you're doing off the ground, which we don't even get into right now. But everything can kind of be boiled down into two factors, right? And people have talked about the double pendulum in the past, but what I like to call it, the way I, we talk about it in the club, pole speed. You have good pole speed? That's highly determined on your run and takeoff, your jump up, right? Do you have good pole speed? Do you have good speed of the jump? Is your jump fast? Because you're not going to push above your grip. Like you're not going to pull a Sam Kendricks and push four and a half feet if you got a slow jump. So pole speed plus speed of jump. That's it. If that's not working out, it's not working out. Well, when you tap somebody, you're giving them artificial pole speed that they wouldn't have on that jump. I, I'd rather, you know what? Sometimes you know who I think is the best teacher, Andrew? I don't think it's you. I don't think it's me. I think it's the box. When you plant the pole late, you're flat and you get stood up, you learned a lesson right there. Don't do that again. You know what I mean? That's, that, when you tap somebody, they're not learning that. They're not learning that. Just like Bubka said, this, the flexible pole hides your mistakes. Uh, you want to learn even more? Do it on a stiff pole. Do it on a stiff pole. You're going to learn real fast what's wrong with your jump on a stiff pole. You know? So, you know, like, that's the thing. I think we could be putting out a lot more content. Like, I'm trying my best. I'm not even saying I'm perfect. Not at all. Not at all. I, I could be doing a better job. Everybody could always be doing a better job. But we got to put more content out there, people. You know? Uh, that. I think that's part of, you know, giving back to the sport too, oh, you know, is putting that content out there, letting people learn. I think like we're all pretending like we're hiding some huge secret. You know, yeah. I, I remember one time hearing a story, right? A coach came up to me and he's like, Bronco, I have a secret for you. Don't tell anybody. This was years ago. Okay. Years ago. It's like, Rick sure told me something. <laughs> I go, what did Rick tell you? Jen is jumping on 15-foot poles. I mean, she jumped on 15 sevens, I believe. But at the time, this was the first time she made the transition to 15-foot poles. Like, but don't tell anybody. 
And I thought that was like kind of hysterical because I'm like, right. So like if I tell a dude that has a girl on a 14 football, like what are they gonna do? Just like tomorrow switch Let's to go, 15s? 15s? It's not like no. It's not like other people are like not trying to get on more bigger poles. They're like, ah, no, it's good. What? You're on a 14? All right, we never have to try anything bigger. Jeez. Just stay right there. I'm like, that's kind of silly. Like you're not gonna just do that. You know? It's like I was laughing at the time. I think like my best girl was on 13 foot poles. Like, all right, what am I gonna do? Throw her on a 15 tomorrow? Like Jeez. my my high school boy can't even get on 15. Like yeah. what am I gonna do with that? That <laughs> like. But I think that it's like sometimes in pole vault we think it's like some huge secret, and it's like there's more to it than one just knowing the numbers. Like if I know what somebody grips and what pull they're on, that's only part of the story. How they got there, you know, what they did, you know, what they did training wise, what they did pole vault wise, you know, also just how long it took them to get. There's so many different factors, and we're we're like you're you're afraid someone's gonna get your secret and beat you. I'm not. I'm not scared. I'm not scared of getting any information out. I'll tell you whatever you listen. If you email me, you call me. Uh, believe you me, I'm not holding back. I'm gonna tell you the whole story. You know. So, how do how do how do how do we get to I'm, that? How do we get to Jen Sure jumping on fifteen? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Pulse speed, speed of jump, getting tapped, Instagram. That's yeah. how we did that. Yeah. Moral of the story: There's no cookie cutter approach. Get into the facility, start jumping, come up with a plan. You know, obviously talk to your coach, figure something out that not only works for you but makes sense. Well, but but do it from a system approach, like like. Start your own, if you're starting your own club or you if you have a club like you need to start putting these out ideas yeah. out there. You got to put those ideas out there. It's going to help grow the sport. You know, I, I mean, look if you're afraid of putting information out there because you're like, oh, I'm going to let the secret out. Or hmm. some people might think this. Well, Bronco, if I put out content like information on what we do at practice, then why would someone join my club? Yeah. They'll just they'll just do it at their high school. No, that's not true. No, it's not. Like you and I both know, it's it's one thing if I tell somebody something, and it's another thing if they come and jump at the club. Like, perfect example, we, I would always have the kids who join for the, in, during the winter session first time because Northeast is cold, snowy, you can't jump outside. So kids come out for the winter session, and a lot of times kids have at the end of the winter session be like, "Oh my God, Bronco, thank you so much. Like, I'll see you next winter." You know, I'm like, "All right, no problem. See you, man." And then, like, about three weeks into spring, I get the phone call. Hey, Bronco, do you have any space on sp uh, Sundays <laughs> for me? You know? So yeah. it's different. Like, I think if, if, if anything, you put more content out, you're going to get more clients. Oh, I agree. That's what I think. I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, that's the first way to kind of go about building your business, whether it's, you know, obviously prospecting or looking for people who are interested in giving out that free information so that, you know, they understand that, one, you're knowledgeable. And two, you're your trusted source, right? Yeah. Because there are other pole vault clubs out there, but not all pole vault clubs are made equal. Well, and and the other thing too is like, yes, there are other pole vault clubs out there, but not that many. Mm -hmm. Like even our, our area, I feel like, you know, we're kind of lucky in northern New Jersey. There's a couple options, right? Yeah. Uh, there's us, Apex Vaulting. Then there's Flying Circus, which is in Warwick, New York. So Flying Circus is probably about an hour from us, right? Then there's Vertical Assault. They're in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. They're probably like an hour, hour and a half from us. Then there's, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody in this. Philly Jumps Club. They're about two hours away from us. Then there's Vertical Adventures. They're about an hour and a half from us. I still feel like I'm forgetting somebody. 
My buddy Jim Henderson, he runs Warehouse Pole Vault. That's in Long Island. That's supposed to be an hour and a half from us. But if you've ever been on the Long Island Expressway, Ooh. it could be three days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, but th- so we, we actually have some options. But notice in all of those options, it was an hour separating all the clubs. Yeah. So it's not like every town has their own club. You know, mm. it's not like, like, you know, like every town has a bakery, right? So if you want to go to the town over bakery, you can, but it's like most people stick to their own town. It's like there's not that many options for pole vault clubs. So I don't think we're at a point where like the market is saturated. saturated yeah. You know what I mean? It's like there needs to be more pole vault clubs. There is a need for more pole vault clubs. And I think it's awesome. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I remember actually, you know, there was a pole vault club in New Jersey called Heights Unlimited and there was another one, I pole vault yeah. too. And they, they both kind of just stopped running for whatever reason. And somebody was like, oh, Bronco, you must be happy that those clubs closed down. Like, you're going to get more business. And I'm like, uh, quite the contrary. Because the thing that I always feel like, here's the thing. If I'm the only pole vault club in town, well, you don't have to go to a pole vault club to pole vault them. But if everybody's at a pole vault club, like if you look at the top 10, top 20, top 30, top 40, maybe top 50 list of the state, and all those kids go to a pole vault club, if you want a pole vault, what do you got to do? Go to a pole vault club. You got to have somebody knowledgeable. Now, some people are lucky. Like my buddy Jason Church, who I've had on the podcast. He coached someone to Olympic trials in 2000. He's an awesome pole vault coach. He has awesome equipment, great access uh, to to facilities. Those kids never have to go to a pole vault club. And in fact, he runs his own clinic in the summers, which I put on the Instagram, Jump Nation. It's got a cool logo. It looks like, um, what's that? Is it Anthrax? I think it's kind of like, it looks like the Anthrax logo. Yeah, it does. It looks pretty cool. So anyway, so Jason, you know, runs his own clinic in the summer. But if you don't go to Southern Regional High School in New Jersey, right, like there's not a lot of other options in New Jersey. Like there's a lot of high schools that don't have a pole club. So it's like, to me, it's like, I think the more the merrier, you know, I mean, obviously if it was like, there's a pole club, like literally in the building next door, (laughs) that's probably not the best. Maybe not. But you know, we definitely are not at that point where we have to worry, you know, and not that I would ever worry because I believe in what we do and we do such a good job. But again, I think you want to grow the sport. That's what you got to do, you know? And for me, I'm just so happy. Like I remember when I started the club, I was always wondering like who would be the first person to come up to me and be like, Bronco, I really want to coach. Like I've had a lot of people coach for me, like fill in and stuff like that. Tell me this man. Like kind of substitute teach like Lauren Riley and stuff like that. But like, I've never had anybody approach me and be like, yo, like I really want to be a part of this. Like, I don't want to just like fill in for you. Like I want to be a part of this. And I was so happy when Andrew approached me, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. Like, how did I trick this guy into doing this? No, but like, no, but like, you know, I was so happy that he really wanted to do this and he had this vision because I think it does take a special person to help others, you know? You, you can't um, be selfish, you know? You, you have to be selfless yeah. and want to help others. And I, I was happy that you did that, you know? Oh. And, um, you know, I, I guess we, we can end the podcast here, but I just, you know, again, I wanted to thank you. I want to yeah. let people know, like, kind of your journey throughout the year, yeah. what it took, what, what it was like. Um, I know maybe we went in and out of topic a little bit tonight, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> um, I thought it was all interesting stuff. And, um, I guess the thing that I wanted to end with, um, I had the thought and now it kind of escapes me, but 
you know, you, you can't, I guess going back to that whole sel- selfish, selfless thing, it's like you can't be selfish. You know what I mean? Like I think if you really want this sport to flourish, anybody out there listening that, that is trying to start a club and stuff like that, you, ha- you have to put yourself out there. You have to be able to make sacrifices. Yeah. You have to do what it takes to, to bring the sport to the next level. You know, and if all you're thinking about is yourself, well, you're only going to go so far. I mean, even when you came up to me when you were in college and you're like, hey, can you help me out today? Like, I can't imagine not helping somebody. You know, I don't care what club you go to. I don't care what high school you went to. I don't care what your background is. Like, if you want a pole vault, dude, we're on the same team. Like, let's do this. You know, that that's that's how I feel, you know, about this sport. And again, I, I, I hope. People have taken something from this uh, podcast. Um, you know, if you want to coach, there's opportunities out there. Like, even if you can't maybe start your own club, maybe there is a club nearby that you can help out at, yeah. and you can help grow that club and grow that sport, um, and maybe give ideas to that club on how to grow. You know, um, the other thing that I would add, um, Andrew has been a very successful podcast uh, mm. guest. Um, he's gotten quite a few listens. And in fact, and I'm I'm gonna implore people right now, and I hate doing this, Do but it. you have to. Though. Katarina Stefaniti was yeah. on the podcast. People, yeah. she is the Olympic champion, was undefeated this year, and won world championship. And she has less listens than Andrew's podcast. She's a stud. She's a stud. Yeah, ex- absolutely. <laughs> like you want to be how to be. You want to know how to be a world champ. You want to be successful. Listen to Katarina's <laughs> podcast. That's the last thing I want to say. Yeah, we end on that though. Any last words, no, Andrew? Thanks again for having me. Obviously, this is the, the third of yeah. many more that are to yeah, come. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, obviously, hopefully next time I come, I come to you with a bunch of PRs. Uh, hopefully, yeah. many of my kids and maybe even one of my own. But yeah, I mean, hey, we're here to connect the dots. We're gonna keep doing this. We're getting the second pit. It's happening. All yep. right. So big things going on in the future. Obviously, stop by, shoot Bronco an email if you want to be part of the uh, the podcast because obviously we love putting out content and we want to grow the sport. You know, there's demand and people want to hear about this. I want to hear about it. We want to talk about it. All right. Thanks so much. <laughs> See you next time, guys.